Hello, friends, and welcome to FM On Demand with Tara Fitzpatrick, the podcast of Food Management Magazine. And I am, of course, your host, Tara Fitzpatrick. I am super excited for this podcast that we have for you today. Um, We are heading to Alaska. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go north. And we're talking to senior area executive chef, Amy Foote. She's with the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium's medical campus. And we first met her back in 2016. And we were finding out about the healing powers of the indigenous foods that are up there in Alaska and what she had learned, how she incorporates that into healthcare. Just to give you an idea, she gave us some recipes back then, and those are linked for you here. There's wild nettle, smoked salmon, pesto linguine, herring egg salad, fiddlehead fern pizza, things, and a few more. So be sure to, to go and check out her recipes because it's just, it's a whole different world up there. And um, she's getting us caught up on what she's been doing lately, which is, as you can imagine, they have a short outdoor growing season. So she wants to get more microgreens into the healthcare system that they grow right there. And we talked about some other stuff too. I just always have a ton of questions, like everyday occurrences that we wouldn't, I mean, like seeing a bear or a moose. And we talked about being moms too, because like when I became a mom, it made me connect with like the animal kingdom in a crazy way. Like I felt and still do feel like an animal. And when I see a mama cat, like with her babies and she looks exhausted, I'm just like, yes, mama, that it, it's something that um, we we related to that. And she did say that a mama moose is much scarier than a mama bear. So it's, we didn't even know about the mama moose, but um, please enjoy our conversation. I think it's, it's a fun mix of, of healthcare and just the adventure of living in Alaska and food service. So thanks so much for listening and watching. I've got some exciting news from Mondelez Food Service, the maker of Oreo cookies, Chips Ahoy, Sour Patch Kids, and so many of the iconic snack brands we know and love. They've just launched one ounce Belveda Cinnamon Brown Sugar Snack Packs. Available in bulk cases, these USDA Smart Snack approved packs are great for schools, hospitals, and really any operator who wants to offer customers a tasty treat. Ask your Mondelez Food Service sales rep how you can bring these better for you bites to schools, healthcare, and more. Or visit mdlzfs.com slash today. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Well, it's morning here, I guess. And yeah, so it's it's 2 p.m. in Ohio and morning in Alaska. So mm-hmm. cannot wait to hear more about Alaska. And the first time that you and I connected, it was way back in 2016. I couldn't believe um, I looked back the first article that I wrote about your amazing um, operation, what you have going on there. And we talked about so many different things, indigenous foods and healing and all of those things and you're getting more now even into the agricultural side of it a little more so a lot has changed we talked last a lot (laughs) let's catch up like tell me like what's what's been happening oh boy so um i have i think when we had talked last i was talking about uh some of the meats we had we think we had gotten a moose donation um, or it was a roadkill moose, but um, since then it was like they found a moose on the road, and you knew what yeah. to do. you sprung into action. Yeah, yeah. So um, since then, um, we've really worked at developing a relationship with the Professional Hunters Association. So we're continuing to get uh, proteins in that way, um, and so that's like caribou and moose 
and um, even um, seal. So we have some uh, native hunters that go out and, and, and harvest seal because that's a traditional food for our patients here at the hospital. It's yeah, one yeah. of our more requested items mm -hmm. um, and you can't purchase it. So that's why we have this really awesome program to do this. So, you know, those are kind of the proteins. I've been working with um, obviously always buying Alaskan and wild caught and working with native fishermen whenever we can. Mm -hmm. um, the plants never sort of kind of came in in large donations. And so, you know, as we started looking at that, um, we thought, oh, well, we'll get some teams together and we'll go out and we'll harvest. And mm. and really, if we go out and start harvesting from our wild crops, our wild crops aren't going to be there very long. And so I really reflected on that quite a bit. And, and, and then also, I don't want to impact the ancestral harving ground, harvesting grounds of Alaska Native people. Like, I don't want to go out and take oh. your berry patch that you and your grandma and your auntie. Oh, yeah, you're always ancestors, you're very right? conscious of that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it was really important to me that we figured out a different kind of way to do it. And um, so there's some soil agriculture that goes on in very, you know, short periods of time in Alaska because yeah, we're... Right dark long winters and cold right and we have these moments of constant light where we can do some great um soil farming and so actually i guess it was tuesday this week we went out to the um uh, we started this last year so this is year two and we um in conjunction with their experimental farm it's the matsu valley Ex Experimental Farm and Extension Center. It's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> the University of Alaska Fairbanks um, runs that and they do a plot of experimental potatoes. And um, so they had 137 varieties, but we planted 139. Um, two of the other varieties that we did kind of some large plots and we used our seed potatoes from last year are a Klinka and Haida potato, so two separate varieties, which would be an ancestral variety. We got them from the State uh, Plant Materials Center where they keep kind of this seed stock, so oh, to yeah. speak, this like, plant stock where people alive in the state. Such, yeah. So really cool. Um, last year, uh, we were able to get like 250 pounds. I'm going to guess that we're, hope. I'm hoping, right? <laughs> it's year two, so we're, we're hoping for a larger um, harvest of that. They're, they're a smaller, um, a little larger than a fingerling potato. Okay. Um, and they're really, really knobby, so they're difficult to peel. Oh, but that's okay, we don't need to peel them, yeah, right? We can eat our, or, we yeah, can eat our peels and we can yeah. eat our vitamins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, so we got those in the dirt um, and yes. we're excited about that. And then it's been raining since, so that's even better. Hey, I guess. <laughs> Immediate planting and, yes. and, and uh, so that's one of the projects. Um, another project that we started, like uh, I think we're a year and a half into it. Um, so I had um, a friend of mine that um, her and I were working on uh, you know kind of just harvesting our own medicines and stuff at the time and she introduced me to um the lady that owns the space farming institute and so Lori and i um became kind of friends and was chatting and and she posted this picture of this gigantic i called it jurassic at the time but it was this huge plantain which you know most people are going to refer to as probably like a, a weed or a sidewalk crack plant that kind of thing yeah and it was huge and i said wow and also, not just what people listening are picturing it's not a plantain like a banana it's those broad leafed little weeds that you see in between yeah. sidewalks right 
Right. And they're, right. but in Alaska, they're everywhere. And, um, and they're, um, they're, they're very nutritious. Um, they're, you know, really, really nutrient dense. Um, and they're also used in medicine. So topically in those kind of, so she, she had attempted to grow this um, hydroponically indoors. And I thought, wow, she's doing this. We have to work together. Mm -hmm. So that's what I said. We have to work together because there's this dream, right? Of being able to get these traditional plants and ingredients in Alaska. Mm -hmm. And the only way, but nobody cultivates them. So we've run into all these really, um, as we learn, as we go, right? The plants teach us. And, mm -hmm. and um, so we learn all these different things when we try to grow them, but we ran into, you, you can't find the seeds, you know, they're not commercially available. Okay, and so yeah. we've had to, um, you know, get permission or be invited, you know, onto some properties to harvest seeds. Mm -hmm. um, we've had uh, groups go out and, um, uh, Alaska Native groups. There's a recovery program group through um, Cook Inlet Tribal Corporation, and they take groups out and, you know, it's that reconnection to the land and to culture and they harvest seeds for us. We bring them back, we dry them, and then we try to grow them hydroponically. Um, so things like sourdough, um, and I'm a big dandelion nerd. Um, yeah. And I think the whole world is trying to wipe out dandelions and dandelions continue to grow dandelion <laughs> dandelion world i want <laughs> i want to learn more what do you like so much about them well so the dandelion there's again it's such a we we use all of these poisons to try to kill them and they know, they yes. give My us neighbors hello i see you <laughs> no mo may i know it's june now but no mo may and it's good for the bees too I know. but we um so the dandelion dandelion root is a absolutely um a great medicinal so you mm. harvest the root um, you dry it, you can toast it. It gets kind of a bitter coffee to it, full of antioxidants. Um, again, like I said, we try to kill it, but it gives us all these healing properties. Yeah. And then from like the food perspective, there's um, dandelion has, it's a nice, uh, lightly bitter kind of green. Yeah, the leaves, um, the greens themselves. Mm -hmm. I've seen that definitely in salad. And if you get them younger, then they're going to taste a little better. Um, there's so many different varieties of dandelions that we've been learning about too. There's one with a red vein, which I've learned, I can't think of the word right now, but anything that has a red in it is going to be higher in it act, uh, antioxidant. So it's going to be a better, you know, kind of health plant for you. Okay. So we've been playing with, with different varieties of dandelions. Of course, the blooms you can eat as well. Um, so, you know, it's really like a 95% edible plant. Oh, right, um, the whole thing. Yeah. 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 And then um, sourdough, which I, I think it just depends on where you are regionally. Um, uh, growing up in Idaho and in Montana, there was lots of uh, sourdough that grew, mountain sorrel, that kind of thing. And we have oh. that all here as well. And that's kind of a uh, it's a little rhubarb -y. You Ooh, A lot of times okay. you'll hear sourdough called that. Up. For sure. And I have this old textbooky thing that was from my grandma York. And mm -hmm. she was she was a plant lady too. She definitely was like she she knew about it. it's called the magic and medicine of plants it's like yeah, Ooh. I, just, I keep it on my desk just to remind me of grandma <laughs> oh wonderful yeah i'm obnoxious i'm the one that you like in my family everybody's got their kind of like specialized interests i would say yes. and um a couple years ago my brother and i went on this trip and he's like 
master nerdy birder guy and like everything he saw was birds right and he was like bird 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 like he's telling me all the birds yeah. and i'm like oh plant 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 plant, plant. <laughs> you have it all so, covered <laughs> it's, yeah it's kind of funny i think we're just built this way but uh, plants are definitely something that i have a, a passion for as well and so so as i started working with Lori, we started growing um we started looking at traditional plants and and what will grow hydroponically a lot of them are not annuals so they take a longer time we've learned to um, kind of germinate and grow. So mm -hmm. some of them don't grow into a microgreen really quickly. Um, and then we learned what we could, what we call cut and come again, which means like, can we cut it, cut it and will it grow back? And if it grows back quickly, is it edible? Does it become bitter? Cause a lot of plants, if you harvest them mm -hmm. as a defense mechanism, will put out a sour flavor, a bitter flavor. It's oh, really they're interesting. So, they're so wily. It's like, how did they figure out how to do that? I know, and it's so like, neat to learn as we uh -huh. as we go along, right? It's so neat to learn. So um, the lighting, so we've been working with reds and blues and white LED lights. Oh, and we are- yeah. I've seen that before. Like sometimes there's like a combination of several of those mm -hmm. too. And like, maybe that'll make them grow a certain way. Very cool. And they taste different. So that's what um, has been really cool, you know, cause the chef perspective, it's like, well, that's really neat, but you like know, what, what does flavor it do? Can I get? Yeah, cool. <laughs> so um, we've tried different things, different radishes and, um, so we do a lot of radish sprouts. Those um, are those seem to be um, a flavor that are similar to beech greens, which which would be a traditional food for an Alaska Native person. Depending on where you are in the state, it's all regional, but that's one that's been pretty well accepted, and it seems to grow pretty quickly. You know, we do things that common things that people will see: different mustards, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. different fennels. Uh, the red oh, vein yeah. sorrel is is my favorite. It's Ooh, I'm yeah, sure you've yeah. probably seen that. It's really really has I a think I know bright about, like, deep red vein. Yes. Yeah, and and so um, so we started growing those, and then we started growing edible flowers too for our patients. You know. Nice. Um, being in a hospital and being in the dark and being, especially in the winter. I know to brighten just, up the day. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this year um, we were able to commercially produce our first crop of fireweed. And in Alaska, fireweed is like, you know, um, it's a really interesting plant because once it gets to its top and it blooms, mm -hmm then you know that winter is going to be here soon and it'll poof and it goes to seed. And so it's something that we kind of have as a barometer of where we are at in our year. And so it's a little winter hat. <laughs> yeah. And it's really interesting. And it tells you when that's happening. So yeah, it's part of culture. It's part of living here. It's part of, right. It becomes kind of just like, you know, the leaves start falling on the trees. If you're in, you know, a hardwood yes. kind or of area. We see, um, forsythia is the first flower that we see here in Ohio. It's just yellow. And like, you're like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe yeah. winter's ending after all. So it's, and yeah. here in June, we're having June. And I went to visit um, one of my brothers in Minneapolis like a month ago, and they were still deep in winter. Like yeah. <laughs> we were starting to get a little bit of spring, but they absolutely, I was like, when does spring start here? They were like, oh, another, another month or so, another couple yeah. of months. So Alaska, even further North. So it's like now the rest of the country, it's starting to get hot here in Ohio. I'm starting to complain already. It's my complaining season already. Um, <laughs> because I just run hot. I'm just always yeah. I'm too hot, but, um, 
it's is it like just starting to spring to life there and it's well why you need the hydroponics obviously in theory it is <laughs> yeah i uh i will tell you i was driving in this morning and there was a fresh dusting of snow on oh. the mountains <laughs> up high yeah. but you know it got cold oh. and it got snowing i do have i grow a lot just personally so i have my garden is out and I have, I spent the weekend getting all my moose proof, proofing up, but all my cold crops, like my, my, uh, cabbages and carrots and beets and all that stuff are all, I got them all in the ground there. Yeah. They're attempting and now we're getting some rain, which is nice. But yeah, so Alaska is interesting because we start getting lots and lots of daylight, um, you know, really by like March. And so we have a lot of daylight We're we're, we're in our like two weeks of the most daylight, um, of the whole year and then we'll start losing daylight towards the end of the month uh, summer solstice is when just we start the losing the earth it's so interesting it's mind-boggling yeah and it's just a different those type of things unless you live in an area that you know it really affects you don't even really pay attention to like as much right it's not but alaska is really a lot um about that and so um so yeah year-round we have to we have to look at other options and so we've We've come up with these microgreens. We're testing different um, traditional plants um, because, you know, I'm just trying to feed our patients, you know, what culturally would be appropriate to them, what they want to eat, what's nutrient dense, all of those things. But if you can't commercially buy them. So we're trying to develop that that piece. I do work with, um, like I said, some soil farms. So that was the Experimental Farm and Extension Center. I work with Alaska Pacific University. Um, They have a a really large farm. Um, Well, they have a lot of land out there, but they have a, a farm out there that they're working with us on. And they're putting in eight plots of traditional plants and and the beauty in all of this is the collaboration and so Lori at the space farm is growing seedlings of these traditional plants that she's had in the lab Mm -hmm. and they're going to go out and they're going to get planted in the soil at the farm so we can measure we can see how they did we can you know do that research and and then all of those foods will be harvested and they'll come back to the hospital and we'll feed them to our patients so so cool it's pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, just I think it's so fascinating the way that you're cataloging this and kind of saving it literally saving the seeds and it's like these these plants that are indigenous that could be lost but it's like maybe you can revive them like you can save them from getting you know lost to time or or to the land that's just so cool well and i think having the accessibility is key yeah because you know a lot of those items like you you can go to the grocery store here and i can go to the grocery store where you are and we're going to find the same you know 25 things in the store in the produce section we just are there and so for being able to, you know, there's so many varieties of different plants and melons and lettuces and leafy greens and all of those things, but you know, how we function, it's seemingly right, is that we just get these 25 options. And so being able to have that exposure to, um, I think uh, it's really important to me that we have the opportunity for, for um, children to be able to have access to those as well. So one of the projects we work with, um, with Laureate Space Farm is actually with the school district. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so we can involve and of course they love chefs or rock stars, right? So they love having they love having the chef kind of come yes, into the I know, those classroom are, are your biggest fans, I bet. <laughs> yeah, well, and it, it's they're really engaged. And then when you add things like the the knowledge of where your food comes from, oh, yeah. um, that's a big opportunity for us to to educate and to really, you know, change someone's life that, you know, you're it doesn't all just come from the phone package at the grocery store, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And that was one one of the points that you made, like when over the years, as I've been getting to know you is that even though like there are, there's these indigenous ways, there's, it's still a part of America and it still has the sad diet, the standard American diet, like so pervasive that like people are just eating too much junk food, even there. It's like, you don't think of it that way, but totally true. So it's like, that's one of the things that you've been combating as well is with the health and, and having it be part of, of the culture too. And that's, that's a lot of what I just, I remember the one thing about the seal soup where it's, it's such a magic elixir. It sounds like where I have heard you tell the story of just a gentleman that just was like, so just, ugh, just over it being in the hospital. And then he had the soup and he was just like, ah, oh, like, so it, yeah. it such a yeah. like, well, I and it does know. heal people. Like, like I said, so we grew this fireweed crop and I bring it in the kitchen and a lot of the, a lot of my staff is, you know, we have this amazing, really diverse kitchen, but a lot of the staff is Alaska native and, and there's a group of Alaska native um, elders that work in the kitchen as well. And so I remember looking over and they were like, it's February. And they're like, what, how do you have fire? And it was blooming. And they were like, there's snow on the ground. It's cold. Yeah, it's just so out of place. Like, just so weird. Yeah. <laughs> really confused and then excited. And then why did you do that? And how did you do that? And, um, you know, so we talked through, we all, we got to have tea. And again, fiery is another one that's like the whole plant, pretty much like 95% of it. It's a biomass is, is edible or, you know, usable in, a, in food. So, um, you know, it, it's a, it's shocking because it's changed, but it's utilizing some of the technology so that we can, so that we can take on not just the food security issues that we have in our state, which is, which is great. 95, 98% of our fruits and vegetables are all imported. And by the time they get here, they are not great. You know, like, especially the leafy greens and things like that. They're just at at a stage of, of dead really you know and and they don't have the it's too far to go yeah it is and there's just kind of no way to um to to really fix that unless we figure out how to grow it locally so that's a big big dream i have um and uh uh whenever i have an opportunity um so what we're looking and hoping um I've got some some people finally listening, I think, and hoping um, is that we're going to uh, work on getting a it, to start with Anchorage and get a a year round hydroponic kind of leafy green, um, in and of course um, incorporate the traditional foods, the traditional greens in as much as possible, and continue our research with the hope that we will be able to really impact our food system um, by having fresh year-round Alaskan ingredients grown in Alaskan with Alaskan strains you Mm -hmm. know so maybe it won't be spinach maybe it'll be sourdough maybe it'll be some plants that we that we would see so um, hoping that you know we can increase nutrition and access and then there's this other piece of of helping support um, food sovereignty for Alaska Native people. So taking back that control over the food source as well. And so really, um, you know, love, love to be a part of that. Yeah, I want to learn more about that. And I, I think we all should. So we definitely want want to learn more and kind of follow up with that and see it also. I, I really hope that that hydroponic farm just having that i hope it really just goes big and and it happens for you it seems like it will it seems when you set your mind out 
you make the stuff work. <laughs> and I wanted to find <laughs> out what were some other um, sort of like culinary things or operations things that you were looking forward to, like just just coming right up, some some more interesting things that we can look forward well, to. Well, we're heading into summer, and so it's fishing season. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, which in, you know, in Alaska, we, I always say we live and die by our salmon and, and salmon are a struggle. We've had, I've had some issues the, um, you know, last five years throughout the state and some areas salmon aren't returning. And so, um, yeah. you know, there's a lot that goes along with that. Um, yeah. I'm working with some of the commercial harvesters, mm -hmm. um, about trying to, uh, reclaim things that they would maybe um, call waste. So oh. um, I'm working uh, to get fish heads. Fish heads are amazing and when you cook them down they're they're full of collagen. You can oh, yeah. really healing like broth. Like I know that halibuts yeah. have fat cheeks. They have chubby little Oh those are the best. <laughs> Yeah, we don't we don't boil those. We just yeah. eat those. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> but the the halibut head itself, you know, that's another really coveted item. And and when you cook all of that down, it turns into this really rich um, healing broth. And when oh, we're in God. a hospital, everything or say, is in those bones and just the velvet yeah. stuff on the inside. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you're someone that's, you know, seeing an oncologist or on chemo or, you're, you know, trying to, you need to be adding those oh. back into your body. And so, you know, so I'm working with some of the commercial fishermen to, to sort of reclaim things that they're considering waste or that they're treating yeah. as waste that are absolutely edible and, yeah. and healing. And they'd be happy to, to probably have, have it go to a good home too, if they, if they understand what you're doing, what you're right. trying to do with it for sure. Yeah, and so we're, I feel like we're making some ground on that. Um, I did just, uh, was able to support um, an Alaska native uh, reindeer herders. Ooh. And um, in, boy, I believe this fall, they're hoping to have their own um, USDA processing plant. At this point, they don't have a processing plant, but because of how our traditional foods donation program and how that works, we're able to have that processed. I can't sell it, but I can serve it to my patients. Right. And so, right. Um, but really nice. exciting things is there. There's there's a big push for for supporting those. Um, mm -hmm. and I, there's two or three uh, I know that are that are looking to start up even more so around the state. And that would be a very lean, um, um, high protein, uh, traditional meat or game yeah. meat that mm -hmm. would develop a, and they, they seem to farm well, they've seemed to figure it out mm -hmm. on that kind of things. And so, um, I'm sure there's challenges that I'm not representing, but, um, <laughs> from a chef perspective, but gotcha. really excited to see, yeah. um, the growth and, and, you know, supporting how we can continue to, to get those for our patients, but also to help develop kind of commerce within our state. I was going to say good opportunities for people to have jobs too, which like all over the country, big mm -hmm. deal, very important. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted, before I forget, I wanted to mention in this other, this past story that I wrote about you, we shared some of your recipes, including fiddlehead fern pizza, hatcher mm -hmm. pass salad, wild nettle, smoked salmon, pesto linguine, and herring egg salad. So I'm going to put the links down below in the description of this. Oh, so great. People, people can get those again. Yeah. Like, I, just, I love the way you tinker with the stuff and it's like, you've, you've got the flavors, but you also have all these other, I don't know, just elements that you put in it. And I saw that a LinkedIn post that you were tagged in. It was a colleague of yours and they, um, 
they were saying the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium campus really believes in providing traditional food as a means of health and wellness for our indigenous community. And they talk about you. Amy really cares about the population they serve while promoting traditional food cuisine. And then they go on, it's really exciting. If anybody's listening and you want to have the adventure of your life and you are in food service, they are hiring. We <laughs> are hiring. Line cooks, lead cook, sous chef, and retail supervisor. Like if you have the urge just to pack up and go to Alaska, who among us would wouldn't want to do that. I mean, I so cool. <laughs> well, that's what I did. That's how I ended up here. I will tell you that I started coming to Alaska uh -huh. when, I was, when I was 15 and it grabbed a hold of me. Love it's it. a really polarizing place. We always say that I know. Um, there's this, there's this kind of ongoing, you're either, if you come to Alaska, you're either running to something or you're running from something. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. That's deep. I yeah. ran to it. I didn't I didn't run away. Uh -huh. I ran to yeah. Alaska. Well, but... because it's romanticized, I think. And then when people get there, they're like, oh my gosh, this is not... And you I either mean... love you either uh -huh. love the things that make yeah. Alaska unique. Um yeah. Um, it's kind of still wild and raw, or maybe it's not for you. I know but, it's so, um, yeah, I, I'm going to start out with a visit though, as soon as I can, I, I definitely <laughs> want, want to come up there for sure. And if I do, I'll let you know, cause that's, yeah, that's that would be great. Oh, and I have one last question for you. Have you seen any bears lately walking around? Well, I just got a text last night, um, actually that we had, uh, there was a black bear, um, at my neighbors and he was heading over our way. So he just waddled <laughs> kind of your way. <laughs> Yeah, he just kind of waddled on through the property, oh, wasn't real huge. But I live out um, towards uh, in Eagle River, which is just outside of Anchorage. Um, and I live in a pretty heavy bear corridor kind of area. So this weekend we did see um, a mother grizzly and she had three-year-old cubs. They were pretty big cubs with her the still. The scariest kind of mama mama bear. <laughs> yeah, and she, but they were older and they were looking pretty good. The moose actually... Um, so it's really interesting, but one of the things that uh, another kind of beauty of mother nature is that moose um, will tend to all give birth around the same time. And um, it's kind of survival of the species at that point, because if they all drop, then, you know, the bears can't go and wipe out every single. <laughs> oh my gosh, I get it. They're pregnancy so, buddies. Yeah, so it's really yeah. interesting. And so they did that, oh boy, I guess we're a week and a half, probably maybe two weeks into the moose with their little cute little babies running around but the mama moose or i would say i'd rather cross paths maybe with a mama bear than a mama moose okay. because the moose are just um yeah there's no stopping they just get kind of uh -huh. you know a mad mama moose is a little oh, they yeah. got a screw loose kind of thing moose. Just, <laughs> they do their just, job very well they're just gonna go <laughs> there's crazy. a lot of moose well, I, I think... never, when I became a mom, I felt such a connection to the animal kingdom that I never did before. Like when I see a mama <laughs> cat or something, just kind of taking care of her kittens, yeah. I'm like, I, I know, I know what you're going yeah. through, mama. Yeah. <laughs> My son was on a field trip uh, with the camp that he's at. And um, he said that they were watching these ducks and then they were kind of walking around to this other side of the lake and not really paying attention. You know, it's a group of kids and, oh, yeah. and probably not too much older, you know, 19, 18, walking around as their camp counselors to keep them safe. And they weren't really paying attention. And, and he said that he stopped and he looked down and there was a um, duck's nest and they were they were trying to hatch they were oh so he God. said that he said you know he said something to the the leader and they stopped and they got to watch this this duck peck its way little wild duck right peck its way he thought it was the coolest thing he said but then 
the mom that was in the water noticed that they were <laughs> near their nest. Oh, no. and she, even Mama Duck was like, "Get out of here!" She came to. <laughs> it's like your babies are hatching. Get back here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're watching, and she just yeah, she she said that she the Mama Duck just kind of ran them off. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's uh, Alaska is is this time of year the bears are definitely awake and they're up and they're moving around, um, <laughs> and the moose are dropping their babies and. You know, um, I know that fish are showing up. Uh, we've had our hooligan, which is um, kind of a small fish. It's oily. It's kind of like a smelt. Um, okay. Hooligan have come through. So we've had a lot of folks down. You just take these big nets and kind of scoop them out of the, oh, if they're cool. in, it's really a lot at a time. Um, but the hooligan have been in. So folks so you, have been you out you got to hit it that. just right you're, you're, when you get that barrel of fish. Get that. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> It is. And so, um, and those are something that, you know, you can get a lot of, a lot of folks then sometimes they'll eat those, but also we use them as bait for fishing later in the okay. in the season. Um, I have a, a, someone that I know that fishes them and brings them back um, and they live in the Matsu Valley. So they have kind of rich soil and they do a lot of their own farming out there and they actually grind up all their fish. Oh, okay. um, and kelp and they grind it all up and they till it into their dirt and they use it as a natural fertilizer I was gonna too, say, so. that'd be the most amazing fertilizer yeah like, they have some pretty off. they have cabbages <laughs> that are like you know oh, so cool so yeah. cool oh, 100 pound gosh. cabbages <laughs> oh, amazing we are almost at time but i could definitely talk to you all day and i just want to thank you for um sharing this corner of the world with me and with our listeners and readers yeah. like we really appreciate it and we will be back in touch definitely to Wonderful. get more more recipes more about healing more about health thank you so much you bet and hopefully someday you can make it up to alaska <laughs> absolutely I've got some exciting news from Mondelez Food Service, the maker of Oreo cookies, Chips Ahoy, Sour Patch Kids, and so many of the iconic snack brands we know and love. They've just launched one ounce Belvita Cinnamon Brown Sugar Snack Packs. Available in bulk cases, these USDA Smart Snack approved packs are great for schools, hospitals, and really any operator who wants to offer customers a tasty treat. Ask your Mondelez Food Service sales rep how you can bring these better for you bites to schools, healthcare, and more or visit mdlzfs.com slash Belvita today.